namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa buddhang dhammang sangkang namassa the first Sunday of the month and it's a time to, uh, uh, well, as I have explained before, this year we're going, I'd like to spend some time going through the ten paramita together as a theme for our contemplation and it's the theme on the calendar and so everybody has these pages up on the wall and uh, the theme this month was the, that of dana or generosity. The, in Theravadan Buddhism, the traditional presentation of the teachings, you talk about what is Buddhism, what is the Buddhist path, and the traditional way of presenting it is to talk about dana sila bhavana, generosity, integrity or morality, and meditation or cultivating the, the mind. And uh, this is not by accident. There's a, there's a wisdom to this. Is if, we, um, if we don't understand the wisdom of this, well then we can be applying ourselves, making an effort in certain directions and not be receiving the benefits. For instance, it's certainly been the case I've noticed over the years seeing people who put a lot of effort and energy into doing their formal meditation practice, but their uh, level of conduct of body and speech is not exactly impeccable. And so uh, um, doesn't really, the goodness of the generating doesn't really stick, if you like. Or, or likewise, people can be uh, keeping impeccable uh, precepts, but uh, be um, locked into a terrible state of uh, selfishness and greed. And and uh, so even though they may be keeping good moral precepts, they're basically not very happy. So there is a wisdom to this this presentation, dana sila bhavana, that that the very foundation of spiritual life is uh, in generosity. And now that doesn't mean to say that uh, we we've got to start there, but we do need to move there. I know when Ajahn Chah came back from his time in America. And he was talking about teaching the Americans. He said, well, you know, there's no point about giving dana sila bhavana, trying to persuade them to make offerings to the monks and, and then keep moral precepts before they start meditating. He said, that's, that's how we talk in Thailand. He said, but there's no point in trying to teach the Westerners like that because they won't get it. They've got so much suffering. That first, what you've got to do is to uh, give them... Uh, uh, a teaching, a skillful means, so they can they can really find their way out of this suffering. So you teach them meditation, they get some peace of mind, and and uh, but then once they've got some peace of mind, the mind quietens down a little bit. Well, then they start to see there's other aspects to the path as well, and then the teachings on uh, morality or integrity, uh, the precepts it starts to make sense, and then uh, you really apply mindfulness and uh, to your daily life as well, and you start to also see the place of generosity. So one way or another, we do need to come to an appreciation of these two, these three aspects 
of the path, generosity, integrity, and uh, the cultivation of the mind. This afternoon, I, when I looked at the page on the calendar, and um, I had thought about it, then I thought, well, February, that can't be the... That can't be dana because that's the second month and I'd forgotten that the first month was a quote from Ajahn Chah and uh, I thought, oh, I'm supposed to be giving a talk on Sila tonight. And, but then when I checked the page and it was about dana and, and the thing that immediately came to my mind was this uh, sense of, um, I had an immediate feeling of warmth and gratitude towards our Anagarika Gabor here because he just spent most of his afternoon fixing my computer. And he didn't have to. I mean, it's my fault that the computer was in such a mess. And not only was it untidy and dusty, and I'm sure also it was dangerous. And it's been like this for a very long time. And I just didn't know what to how to, you know, you start unplugging things, cables, you know, these, the, the, um, the printer cable or the, the keyboard. The keyboard's been playing up recently, you know, the keyboard suddenly stops working and you've got to jiggle something and... So I didn't want to unplug all these cables, but Gabor very kindly came over and spent, I think, two and a half hours this afternoon, which he could have been doing his own thing, but he very kindly came over and just pulled everything out, labelled everything and dusted everything, wiped everything down, hoovered everything. And uh, when I, I just sat there thinking, I just, <laughs> what a nice thing to do. I'm just so grateful to Gabor for doing that. And... And immediately that was, well, that's my contemplation on dana. That that's what, that's one aspect of, of why dana is so important because it gives, us, it gives us a sense of what we can do about our hearts here and now. You know, we, we, can be, we can be the source of goodness. You know, so many people get into feelings of, of being hard done by and even though they're surrounded by great affluence and good fortune, the dominant feeling is one of lacking. And uh, perhaps what, in fact, I'm convinced that one of the most skillful things we can do when we're feeling like we're lacking, when we're feeling hard done by, is to uh, stop and and reflect on gratitude. Uh, This morning... After breakfast, Tanyana uh, Visuddhi gave a little talk. Uh, we have this practice during the retreat time here at Harnam that uh, we meet for breakfast together every Sunday morning and we all sit around the table and after breakfast check in to see if there's anything that we have to be talking about because we don't talk to each other very much during the retreat time. And So once a week we have this time and if there's any business like gutters falling off or you know things that need to be discussed then we deal with it and when that's all done well then one of the monks gives a little homily and on their own uh, chosen theme of Dhamma and this morning uh, Tanyana Visuddhi gave his little homily on on gratitude or, or choosing to feel grateful for all the good fortune of our lives and uh, it's between five and ten minutes, and he didn't have any trouble. In fact, I thought I was going to have to tell him to be quiet because he went on. Because once you start talking about it, I mean, where do you stop? I mean, you start talking about our situation, you know, the food and the clothing, the shelter, the medicine, the monastery, this wonderful location, all the people involved, and you start going about the government and this good fortune, this wonderful country, and, and their parents, and 
you know, you can just go on and on and on. Now, the fact that we don't really dwell on gratitude is, uh, is partly because we don't really understand the power of dana. We don't understand the power of generosity. You know, we don't see that by being generous, we gain something. Yeah. We, we don't see this. Now, if we haven't, partly it's because we haven't had a very good education. Uh, you will have all be familiar, I'm sure, with with what the Buddha had to say about this. And every time I talk about dana, I quote the Buddha who's saying, if you knew what I know about the power of dana, of generosity, then you wouldn't go a single meal without sharing a portion of it with somebody else. If you knew what I know about the power of generosity, you know, generosity is powerful. This is, you know, we, 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 we too easily bypass it and, and, and try and, you know, we get caught up in our ideas about practice, but forgetting what we can actually do in the here and now, in the moment. And there's all sorts of reasons for it. As I, I say, one reason is we didn't perhaps have a good education, good enough education. Uh, these things weren't pointed out to us. And traditionally, the, the um, you know, traditional Buddhists would probably say that, that if you don't have Tanabarami down, if you don't have this force of generosity flowing through you and the radiance and the beauty that naturally comes from that, you know, because people who are generous are generally radiant, you see, the, most, the best example of this is a mother with a new child. I mean, that glow, that radiance of a mother with a child. She give everything. She give her life for the child. Literally give her life for the child. And the microbiologist will explain it in terms of hormones and so on, but whatever the, the materialists have to say about it, the radiance, the beauty is undeniable that when selfishness is gone completely, there's this stunning beauty. And... I've known uh, several uh, phenomenally wealthy people in my life, but the only ones that really seem to be enjoying this phenomenal wealth are the ones that are very generous, you know, very, very generous people. And, and then the, the tendency to become lost in this energy that we all have called desire if you've got generosity, if you've got dana barami there, then we're protected. If we haven't got dana barami, then we're not protected. And so that's why I was saying I think it's very important that we do have a good education. And 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 traditionally, traditional Buddhists would would probably say that if you don't have dana barami, well, it's because you weren't generous in your past life, and that may well be true. But on my own thinking about this, I I also tend to think that it's really got a lot to do with the culture and the manner in which you were brought up in your early childhood, what, what happened when you were young. And I think if um, you know, we all have this capacity for generating goodness, we all have this. You know, we can all do good things. We can say good things. We can think good things. You know, we can all do this. We all have this. But is this really mirrored for us when we're, in ch- when we're children? I feel that if parents uh, do their job well, then when children are being loving, when children are being generous, then that's mirrored, that's celebrated, that's praised. If instead of of being praised, 
in their being the source of goodness, they're shamed, which sadly often happens, then they don't form, we don't form, a direct connection with our capacity for being the source of goodness. And then we go through our life thinking that we're lacking goodness. You know, we need somebody to love us. And we need somebody to give to us. We need somebody to share with us. Whereas, as Ajahn Sumaita was saying in his verse that's in the calendar of this day, one of the beautiful things about the human life is that it's an opportunity to share, to be loving, to give, regardless of whether anybody else knows about it or not. That's a power that we have. You can give something. You don't have to tell anybody before you feel good. Just in giving and in witnessing giving, like my witnessing today, you know, the anagara giving, just to be able to share in that, to participate in that. Mudita, where somebody else is giving. So if we had a good education, spiritual education, and an upbringing whereby our potential for being the source of goodness was, was mirrored, was celebrated, was, was praised, if we had that, well then I, I feel uh, it's, it's pretty sure that it's, it, we're going to go through life uh, as very happy people actualizing that ability. However, if we find ourselves uh, not really in touch with that ability and we're feeling lacking, we're depressed, feeling hard done by, well, there is something we can do about it. You know, we can basically re-educate ourselves. And it's not difficult. It does, it does help to have some understanding of this because if the teaching on, on generosity, for instance, is given to us in a very moralistic way, in a, in a shaming way, you know, you should be generous, and it's true we should be generous. Like uh, all the bankers at the moment who are receiving these phenomenal bonuses, they should be generous. That's a, that's a actually in terms of the law of karma, it would be good for them, good for the world, good for everybody if they were generous. They don't have to have that much money. Nobody needs that much money. Yeah, a lot of these. Wealthy people in this country could be more philanthropic and 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 and, and give more and, and contribute more. That's true, but if they're just forced to by the government, I don't think it'll really work. Or if they're moralised to by the religious, I don't think it'll really work. But if they, on the other hand, they go on a meditation retreat and they get a little bit of skill in the art of mindful reflection. And then they're given some guidance and just say, well, look, what happens when you're always taking from me? And what happens when you're always exercising this grabbing? Like children, they, the, as soon as children are born, they grab mummy and they hold on to mummy and they hold on to daddy. And, and then they never, unless they're taught, otherwise they never really learn to break out of this grabbing for me. We need a good education to teach us to learn how to counter that grabbing, grasping tendency and to learn how to let go and give. So if we have that good education, then it comes to us naturally. But if we don't, well, then we need to use our mindfulness, our wise reflection to lead ourselves into an understanding that, that this perception that I always need more, I've always got to protect myself, I've always got to look after myself, I'm always going to, I'm going to lose if I give. We need to, we need to question that, be willing to question it. Be willing to question it and to say, well, is that really true? Has all this grabbing, taking, gaining, seeking for me really made me more contented? 
Mm-hmm. Or you look at the, the really wealthy people in the world who are not very generous. Are they contented? They've got so much money. Are they contented? Are you envious of them? No way. So we can re-educate ourselves and, 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 uh, and experiment. To, when we practice giving, when we choose to exercise it. Yeah. A friend of the monastery was telling me recently how, how they found that uh, in the uh, later stage of, of caring for their parents, you know, their parents were old and, and, and dying, that it took a lot of energy uh, to care for them. And from one perspective, to feel that you know, your parents are now dependent on you and you have to look after them, from one perspective, that could be seen as, as oh, I'm losing my freedom and I'm losing, I'm losing my resources or whatever. However, if we exercise, if we really do it, well, then we feel what it feels like. And in this case, the, the friend was telling me how what a wonderful feeling came from being able to look after the parents as they were age, getting old and dying. And, and so to re-educate ourselves quite intentionally, to look at the attitude we have about generosity, whether it's material things, our money, our space... You know, we always, you know, I had a, I had a good friend who um, some years ago, it was in New Zealand, she had, um, she, had had, she, she came through the Second World War uh, in Germany and uh, as a teenager and uh, was a victim of a lot of terrible things that happened in the war. And as a result, she was, when she got her own space, she was very, very attached to her space, not letting anybody else into it. Not letting, refusing to let anybody else to into her space unless it was on her terms. And her terms were very, very high. She had very high standard. And um, what the conversation was going to be about and how they were going to conduct themselves. And I tried many times to very gently encourage my friend and say, look, you're getting old and, and you know, it won't be long before you're going to need some help. And this was the case. Uh, she had Parkinson's and... Uh, and she was going to be needing help. And, but she refused to let go of this holding to her space, my space, my world, my realm. And, 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 and actually, really tragically, uh, as it happened, she uh, ended up having to um, accept help um, when she didn't really want it, and uh, in a way that she didn't want it. And, and it was a very sad thing to see happen. Um, but if we hold too tightly to my space, me and mine, then that can be the consequences. This, this self, this ego, this personality, this, this perception of limited being, which we experience as me, is something we're doing. And the question is how to un- investigate or how to untangle this knot of habitual contraction or habitual grasping and habitual limitation, which we feel to be me. How can we do this? Because it's so painful. You'd always be worried about me and mine, my time, my possessions, my reputation, my ideas. You get into an argument with somebody because of my ideas. Well, the characteristic of somebody who's got dana barami or generosity really developed is this openness, they, they don't take themselves too seriously. They have views and opinions, but you're not going to argue with them. 
You just won't argue with them because the self is not so rigid. So in our own case, we can we can exercise this. We can experiment with this. You know, particularly if we, for instance, uh, if we find ourselves caught in an argument where we're you know always trying to defend my opinion, my position, you know, or you know, or feeling invaded, people demanding my time, my space, to the degree where it's hurting. Well, then this is one of the very practical things we can we can do about it. We can exercise generosity through wise reflection again, not through moralizing, you know, not just through making vows and say I've got to become more generous, and so I'm going to give five minutes a week to my mother. I'll ring her up and talk to her for five minutes. I've made a vow there. I'm going to do it. Not like that, but you know, more with a reflective attitude that. Always worried about me and mine. Does that really work? In my problems, always being fixated on my problems. Does that really work? Yeah. One of the one of the um, best cures for people who I've been told, or I've read somewhere, I can't remember exactly where now, but but people who've been unemployed for a long time and become dependent upon uh, handouts, um, welfare. And just become depressed. And if they can be skillfully guided into volunteering, even if they haven't got the skills to get employed, if they can be guided into volunteering where they're actually giving, then something gets activated. Something gets quickened. And one of the things that happens is that actually they learn to release their self-obsession. If we're always for me, 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 this self just gets more and more contracted. Whereas as soon as you start to give... You give a little bit of yourself, a little bit of your contraction is released. So we can experiment with this, and I think volunteering is a very good way of doing that. People who have retired or unemployed, uh, it happens here, actually. There's people who, who uh, take time off work, and they write and say, well, I've decided I'm going to spend the next few months volunteering, and they want to come and give some time to the monastery. I think it's a, a very skillful thing to do. And also, so there's a positive side of it, of, of feeling the goodness, uh, witnessing the, the sense of, of adequacy, or the sense of being empowered, when we realize we're the source of goodness. You know, we can do something with our, hearts, our own hearts. We can give and feel good. You know, to really get that message, we're not dependent. We don't need people to give to us to feel good. We don't need people to love us to feel good. You know, we can be the source of loving. You know, practicing metta bhavana is, is, is likewise an act of dana, an act of generosity to, to be giving out. Or the last act of the day, which we do as a ritual here in the monastery, uh, the last chant we do, the dedication of punya. Uh, and I, I personally recommend people do it before they go to bed at night to stop and reflect. Whatever goodness I've done in my practice today, by body, speech and mind, I give it all away and then reflect on the people that you want to give it to. Your teachers, your family, your friends, your enemies, the protectors of the country, all beings, all realms of existence, all directions through all time. Give away this. And this, as a ritual act of, of giving, helps release us out of this painful sense of me. I also heard recently from... A, uh, another friend in uh, in Leeds who wrote to me, and he's he's a 
he's only, he's only in his 30s and a you know, pretty healthy fellow and he likes to keep himself fit, goes to the gym and works out and so on. And, but the other day he, he slipped a disc badly and it was just doing a very simple thing as well. It wasn't like he was doing anything radical. But he really got into pain. I mean, any of you that have been through this will know I mean, how, how excruciating it is. And professional person, lots of responsibilities, but he was completely seized up in bed with medication, which he was humiliated to have to take, not wanting to take medication, not wanting to depend on anybody. And here he was having to depend upon his wife. He really didn't like it, basically. He's never depended upon anybody. He's chosen to be independent. He thought it was actually cool to be independent. Well, if we have a, an imbalanced education, well, then we can be operating with such views, thinking we're independent. I mean, who's ever independent? I mean, for the time you're born, we're dependent. We're totally dependent for pretty much the first 10 or 12 years. You know, couldn't get by without the attention. And even then, well, where would we be without the National Health Service or the other elements that help look after us. We're not independent. Independence is a, an idea, a wrong view that we entertain. And Anyway, the result of this was this, uh, this friend wrote to me just saying how grateful he was, actually. He said it, he didn't want to admit it, but how grateful he was that uh, he'd been through this experience. And he wasn't totally over the moon about it because it was excruciating. But the beautiful thing about it was that he learned how to allow himself to depend to allow himself to receive somebody else's generosity, allow himself to let go of his holding to me and my uh, independence. So when we are faced with loss, apparent loss, loss of freedom, loss of space, loss of material things, uh, to be careful to check our perceptions and see see whether we're not just buying into uh, some false perception about our inherent sense of lack to consider is it possible to be the source of goodness the source of generosity the source of love the source of kindness so thank you very much this evening for your attention